1: Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric Name, and joining me as always
0: is my good friend Frank Madden. Frank, how are you? I'm great. Uh, I I uh, want to say thanks to everybody. My uh, my first child, my daughter Matilda, was born on Friday, and I, I tweeted something out about it, uh, and had a lot of people say really nice things. Congratulations, and um, a lot of people. Uh, with with daughter specifically uh telling me about how great it is and and uh, to enjoy it and um all those things that you kind of you know you love hearing but then you kind of obviously have to experience for yourself so um so yeah we had we had a we've had a good for good start to matilda's life as a bucks fan here uh you know <laughs> as, as as much as uh you know joe Parenti taking over for jason kid got the headlines um uh, you know matilda showed up on friday and Yana scored 41 points a few hours later, and uh, and the Bucs have won a couple more games <laughs> since then. So, uh, so I, I think I, I, I looked at the it, way you phrased th- that
1: tweet was just so perfect and so incredibly <laughs> frank, Matt, and, and I loved everything about it.
0: Yeah, I think I mean if you're not on Twitter, I think I my announcement of uh, my daughter's birth was uh, that today was this is on Friday that today was probably the best day of my life because Yana scored 41, the Bucks <laughs> won. And my daughter, my first child, was born. Um, And I did actually have a couple of people say, like, I hope that those weren't in order. You know, it's like, yeah, it's a joke. Don't worry about it. Um, (laughs) uh, I did did not say when Giannis scored 44 against the Blazers that that was previously the best day of my life. So, um, of course, the previous best day of my life was marrying my lovely wife, who is a Rockets fan. um, And and hopefully now the... uh, the mother of a, uh, dual rockets and, and bucks fan. Um, but yeah, so anyway, lots of changes and weird sleep patterns, but, um, fortunately my, uh, my company has an amazing family leave policy. So I'm going to be taking the next uh, eight weeks to, uh, kind of get my bearings. And obviously I hope to be watching, uh, as many bucks games as possible and, and talking to you about those games, uh, as well. So hopefully, um, hopefully my return is, is not going to be a a short one. Um, I, I joke that, uh, having a child is like the podcasting equivalent of tearing an ACL or something, (laughs) you know, you, you may have to just quit entirely or, uh, you're going to, you're not going to have your same bounce back when, uh, when you, when you, when you return, but, uh, no. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so anyway, so yeah, like big, big week in the Madden household, but, um, I guess enough about that. Um, Ooh, it, it no, is... not
1: enough about that. Not enough. Um, to... So, really, I'm kind of upset with myself. I had critique on yesterday um, as the guest host, and I'm upset with myself because I feel like it wouldn't be Locked on Bucks without some Frank Madden baby uh, taking care of over unders. So, I guess I'm just going to ask you. Um, over under, let's see, five days Matilda's been alive now? Um, so let's go over under ten diapers changed. Uh,
0: me changing diapers probably slightly under. Okay, um, I'm not sure. I'm I, thought, I thought that was a pretty
1: good line. I felt good about that yeah. one.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, and and so so uh, it, she's fine. Um, my wife got, was actually sick right before uh, right before uh, she went into labor. So. Um, for precautionary purposes, they had her in the the neonatal ICU. So this is part of my excuse. She was actually not, she was in sort of this observation ICU type setting, um, just for precautionary reasons for like the first two days. So we really we weren't changing diapers. None mm. of neither of us was changing diapers Cut. in that period, <laughs> so we kind of ducked out of it uh, for a couple of days. Um, but I uh, I had to deal with uh, my my first blowout uh, at like <laughs> one in the morning yesterday, and um, I think I've done like three or four in the last twenty four hours. So okay, um, you're catching so I'm, up. You're, you're I'm getting there. there. I'm getting um, there. Yeah.
1: Then we'll move to over under twenty hours of sleep. Oh, since,
0: since in the last
1: since four or five grades. days, yes.
0: uh, probably a little over. Um, I'm, I'm a good sleeper. So if you give me like any time I can usually sleep. But, um, <laughs> I think, I think if I was, ha- if I knew that I was gonna have to go back to work in a couple days, I'd be just super stressed out and like losing my mind. But knowing that, you know, um, I mean, I'm still doing some stuff for work, kind of transitioning some stuff, but, um, but yeah, I think if I was, if I knew that I kind of had to, Drop everything again and, and go start working. I'd I'd be a nutcase right now, but at least knowing that I have a lot of flexibility um, definitely helps. So um, again, very thankful to, to have that. And had my my in laws uh, around over the weekend, and my parents are coming in a week. So um, so yeah, shout okay. out to anybody. I mean, all the all everyone out there who is like a single parent, like I mean, it goes without saying. Like it's amazing what that people can handle that and, and raise kids and, and everything, but you know, you, you, even when you're married and you and your spouse can focus on it, I mean, you know, it's pretty overwhelming at first. So, um, shout out to everybody who, um, who, you know, has, has had to deal with something like that. Shout out to parents in general. <laughs> um, but if you're, you know, having to like, you know, doing the working parent thing, single parent, um, that, that's amazing. Uh, our friend of the pod, CJ Robinson was, uh, tweeted at me, you know, he's got, I think he has four kids. Um, I mean, That yeah, like having one kid, one newborn, and then thinking about like having multiple kids, level four, (laughs) and obviously they don't, you know, at some point they start going to the bathroom by themselves and start being somewhat self-sufficient, but uh, but that is uh, that's that's amazing, amazing work to 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 deal with. uh, all that comes with uh, with parenthood, but anyway. Okay, um,
1: let's get to bucks. I, I just had to get I, a couple over unders yeah. in there. I, I know people wanted to be locked on Matilda for a little while, so <laughs> we needed we needed to do it just for a second. Um, all right, Frank. Uh, since you've been gone, the Bucks have won a bunch of games. Yeah, they they
0: maybe looked- I should have stayed gone. Don't say that. No, Matilda, yeah. we give credit. Matilda is doing great, being a good <laughs> luck charm. But but maybe me being away and not talking to the Bucks is also a good luck charm. But that, whatever, I'm I'm here. It's over.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. So we'll we'll try to figure that out on the run here. But uh, they've won a bunch of games, and uh, I think I've tried to throughout all of this remind people that you know there was a. A three for nineteen first half from three by the Nets, uh two for twenty-six day from the Bulls, like there's there's been plenty of bad shooting, um, which helps out uh in, in a small sample size. So in a small sample of four games or so, like things like that can help out. And um I, I think throughout all of that, the like, Bucs fans are hopeful right now. Like there's a joy to Bucks fandom that I don't think that I've seen in a long time, Um, certainly not in the last year or so, and I I just think everyone kind of wants things to look good, and one of the notes that you had sent me is that you think there might be maybe a little bit of confirmation bias going on right now, so (laughs) what what are your thoughts uh, as you've watched these on phones, from hospitals, wherever you've been, if you have been able to... To get through most of these games, and I think you said before we started recording that you had, so just I guess kind of where's your head at?
0: Yeah, I mean, for context, so I watched uh Friday and Sunday on my phone at the hospital, so not like I'm you know laser focused watching uh rewinding, whatever, telestrating or something like that. Um, and uh Monday I, I did get to watch uh, on my my TV at home, so uh, so I, I have I have watched. All the games, I rewatched part of the Sixers game the other day as well, uh, mainly because I was curious just to watch Bloodsell so those first couple of minutes just because there was like that, like, you know, the, the initial confusion about why he left. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's an interesting time, obviously, for Bucks fans because I think the big takeaway for me watching this is it was really, really good timing. You know, you may argue, well, they should have done it Tuesday, the firing of Jason Kidd on Tuesday rather than Monday, and it was weird to do it, you know, a few hours before the Suns game. That's all true, obviously. You know, it sounded like there may have been some stuff going on that maybe hastened the actual decision. But you know, watching the way they're playing against competition, that obviously, is not that strong. Um, knowing Jabari Parker coming back on Friday, which is obviously also really exciting, a lot more exciting than me coming back to podcasting, um... You can definitely understand why this really was strategically, you know the a great time to to make that move, right? And yep. um, you know, John Horace mentioned the whole thing the, I think he said it was some hockey GM said, you know, if something about basically if 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 something is inevitable, then just do it now. you know, don't yep. don't put off something. And in this case, um, you know, it seemed like they came to the same conclusion that obviously the fan base had gotten to. <laughs> about jason Kidd not being the future of this team as a head coach position and i think it's interesting i mean it was interesting to listen to you and, and dean talking about um what sort of we're starting to maybe start to see from this team tactically um and I, 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 you know in general i mean first off winning three straight games by double digits you know we talked a few weeks ago about how few uh Ten point plus games mm-hmm. they've had in either direction, and then thereafter they went on this bad streak of losing double digit games. Jason Kidd gets fired. Now they're they have three of their eight blowout wins have come in the last three games. So yep. um, bad bad competition or not, they obviously are taking care of business against some of these bad teams. Um, but it, it's interesting because I mean I, I don't know. I mean watching watching this team, um, you know, you mentioned some of the bad opponent three-point shooting um, that's something that obviously for the majority of the season you know hadn't had been kind of going the other direction um, teams shooting probably better than expected at this point they're now uh, opponents were, were 30th you know the bucks were last in opponent three-point shooting for a long time now they're 22nd so those numbers have started yep. to come back a fair bit um so Again, I think that's that's certainly helping the story a lot, and I don't think there's necessarily anything magical about what the Bucks are doing to to make opponents miss threes. Um, I mean, the first half of that Sixer game, I mean, the Sixers missing all those shots and being right there, um, largely because the Bucks were complete shambles, stopping you know penetration. Yeah, any any anybody who cut to the basket got a layup. It seemed like in the first half of that game, um, I, I think again. It, the, the, the macro view positive right it's positive it's not maybe wildly positive just because of the competition and because I think Giannis coming back from his his layoff um, looks revitalized in ways that certainly might have been the case regardless of who's coaching this team but um, but I think it, it has certainly been nice to see what we've seen but by the same token as well um, you know it, are we seeing some brand new team that is going to you know run roughshod through the east at this point? Um, I, I mentioned the other day during during uh, during that a uh, rough stretch during the Philly game before they kind of got some separation and ended up winning that one game going away. Um, you know, I'm I'm still hashtag never trust the Bucks until, rule number you know, one. <laughs> I, I'm I'm much more excited about the Bucks. I, I don't blame anybody one bit for you know the ding-dong, the witch is dead sort of jubilation uh, mm-hmm. over, over kid being gone and feeling like there's finally like a chance, you know, this fog is sort of lifted that, that there's, you know, brighter days ahead. I, I agree with that. But um, but I'd also say, you know, are, are we seeing some different team? Oh, they figured it out defensively. They're doing things, de- you know, Giannis is touching the ball way more offensively. I mean – So, most things have happened, but there's also, I think, enough stuff happening as far as competition. And, you know, obviously, Brogdon missing a couple games, Bledsoe basically missing the last game. Um, those I think make the wins more impressive in that you're, you know, you did it without well missing some guys. Um, But also some other things too, like Giannis's involvement. Um, Hopefully what we're seeing is not purely a a function of, you know, Giannis just needing to take a bunch more shots and needing to be more of the focal point just because, you know, some of the, you know, the the point guard rotation was, was, you know, 50%, uh, you know, out due to injury. So, um, so yeah, so I would say I'm, I'm excited about what I've seen kind of very macro level, but I'm also very, kind of tempered, I would say, in terms of my sort of in the here and now excitement. Um, because, I, I again, I, I think we still need to see a lot more from this team to feel like, yeah, this th- there is something substantive here. Um, you know, I, I think for me, again, the excitement is more about we're seeing, yeah, this is a talented roster. They can win games on any given night. They should be blowing out bad teams. They're starting to do maybe that a little bit. Um, but for the most part, you know, are they going to be, you know, peak bucks this year i'm still skeptical of that just because there isn't going to be time to really kind of maybe get at some of the kind of bigger root issues they have but um certainly you know don't blame people at all for being excited about not just the way the bucks are playing but also um the fact that again without kid around i think there is that sense that the the fog has has lifted
1: yeah and it's funny uh, I, I i still cringe when i see blank stats over the last four games whether it's defensive rating or net rating or janice's like whatever may be it's just like okay yeah um let's let's, uh, that all happened and i'm very aware that it happened and it looked good like it, it was fun to watch while while it occurred but it is not some sort of new normal um and i, I don't know it, it's just been interesting to watch it and the i thought it was funny when you put confirmation bias in your notes because it just seemed like as you would watch some of these games like some of the things that used to drive people crazy just kind of got i mean there hey there's a rug let's sweep that underneath there um like there i'm trying to think in one of fronty's first games i think the fourth quarter he started with just an awful lineup with Middleton and four just bad guys, and there was uh, the in the last home game, there was that stretch in the third and fourth quarter where they just couldn't do anything. The ball stopped moving, and like some of those same th- same things happened. And ultimately, they won the game. Um, so there, there's not a ton to complain about. But at the same time, like some of those same things were still kind of occurring um, with Joe Prunty. And, um, <laughs> it's funny to think, I, I would assume Jason was kind of watching those, actually, I don't even know, maybe he wouldn't even be watching those games, but if he was watching those games, he'd probably be thinking, man, having a, a Giannis that sat out eight ga- eight days, man, that seems pretty cool. <laughs> um, because when you, when you look at just the way that he's been able to play as of late, you just see... I think you see some of that bounce again, and you see him uh, just being able to kind of take games over physically and just dominate guys, and obviously that has something to do Um when I was talking with Dean over the weekend, we mentioned that after the game on Friday, he called out Jared Allen by name, and it was like, I told John Henson, if you can set this screen, like, Jared Allen can't really do anything against me, like, he can't move his feet fast enough, he can't stop me, and it was just like... Okay, that's not something Giannis normally does. Like normally, he just keeps it about himself and doesn't comment on other players. And like you just kind of saw a guy that had some more confidence that obviously, clearly had his legs back. Um, I guess what as our resident Giannis Stan, um, (laughs) what what have you seen from him as of late? And I know I I think we've had some talk about. without you, we've had some talk on this podcast about, okay, maybe he's moving a little bit more on ball, and maybe he's uh, been able to facilitate a little bit better, and maybe that means Eric Bledsoe's moved into a little bit different role, but I guess I'm just curious, what what have you thought you've seen from Giannis in in this little stretch here?
0: Well, I think other than, I mean, if there were negatives, the only two negatives were, you know, he missed, what, his last five free throws against the Bulls, um, and seemed like he was kind of hunting fadeaway jumpers in the fourth quarter uh, against the um in the last game a bit um and and that's a shot that obviously he's developed and and i don't know what his percentage is on that shot i mean it's a tough shot it's a shot you don't really want him settling for all the time i think maybe he's a little bit too willing to settle for it um but again in the context of a game that they had in hand i also necessarily don't necessarily mind him kind of trying to kind of continue working on, on that shot a little bit. Um, but you know, I think just in general, obviously sort of the, 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 dominant physicality is obviously, you know, the thing that makes him so special and, and seeing him obviously bouncing off guys, going through guys, um, the dunk on Allen was, you know, incredible, obviously. Um, but also, you know, other than the last game where he did miss some some of those jumpers uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, you know, his shooting, in, especially in the second halves of games, um, interesting is even as he was missing all those free throws against the Bulls, uh, you know, I think he started two out of nine in that game and made nine out of his last ten shots. Uh, and yeah, that first half I,
1: against the Bulls was, ugh. And, yeah. and then Giannis got going.
0: Yeah, and and so to to finish that game with twenty seven nine and eight, um, on you know reasonable efficiency uh was was definitely something and and again he was hitting jumpers you know really kind of getting into a good rhythm and obviously the uh the Nets game you know hitting three threes uh was obviously awesome to see showing that kind of decisiveness and just letting it rip um I think you know interesting that he didn't take any against the Bulls um and then you know I, I think in the beginning of the Bulls games kind of drew me crazy he had caught it on the uh, three-point line like took one dribble in and took like a 22 foot two pointer. Like his heels um, were on the line. It was yeah. as bad of
1: a long two as you could take.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and he's a guy who's kind of weird in that he oftentimes seems to be more comfortable when he's taken like a rhythm dribble. Um, and, and that's just kind of those things that like, you know, again, the expected value on that jumper is low, right? If Middleton takes that shot, we're, we're all, you know, rubbing our foreheads and, uh, in Jason kid style <laughs> on the bench. Um, <laughs> but uh but obviously you know the the you know him scoring i mean he looked obviously you know like the guy that we've seen him getting a lot of shots is obviously good to see uh and necessary you know especially with Bledsoe uh, out most of the game uh, the other day and and Brogdon missing a couple games and, and Brogdon not looking like himself either right when he came back yeah. um, you know last game they really i mean the most impressive thing about that game against Philly was really a, you know they they won that game without really having <laughs> anyone other than Delhi contribute from the point guard spot yeah. Which normally isn't going to be a great recipe, but um, but yeah, just seeing kind of Giannis physically looking strong and and capable and recharged was great. And also, I think the passing stuff too. I mean, you know, the fact that he was averaging seven assists a game these three games, um, you know, it seemed like he was getting the ball more in kind of that creation type type space you know being able to bring the ball up a little bit more maybe um you know again I don't have like data to show like oh he's he dribbled the ball up this many times these games and fewer the other games but um obviously top of to the floor
1: Giannis is a very different Giannis than like side pick yep. screen
0: setting Giannis yeah yep. yeah so so it was cool seeing that and, and obviously it felt like you know it was it was cool to see I mean we've talked about this that you know, Chris Middleton being the lone starter with these like bench units of like you know Delhi and Sterling and Thawne and you know whoever else and Tony or whatever, like we are obviously on the record as not liking those lineups at all because it just puts too much pressure on Chris to be a creator. Um, with Giannis, I feel a lot better about it. Um, you know, again, I probably would prefer that you figure out a way to keep two of. You know, Malcolm, Bledsoe, Giannis and Chris on the court at all times. I don't think that that should be that difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, starting both Brogdon and Bledsoe makes it harder. Um, but if anybody's going to be out there with Dele, um you want it to be honest, right? Because you want Deli out there setting screens on those inverted pick and rolls where, you know, he's scratching and clawing and, you know, pulling every, you know, last John Stockton dirty trick out of the book to set screens and, uh, and, you know, let Giannis do stuff with the ball rather than just, you know, being off ball. So, um, so I think there was definitely, I think from the Giannis standpoint, obviously it's, it's hard to see much that, that wasn't positive these last few games. And obviously you just hope that, you know, Giannis being Giannis continues. It was great to see him hit that three, um, late in the fourth quarter. Cause he did take a few early that didn't go in. I think one was kind of a heave, um, uh, but again, I mean, hes it's not like he's like missing badly, which he does, which he has in the past. Like He'll just have shots where it's just like wide left, backboard, you know. Yeah. Um, and it was nice to see him looking more confident. Um, I know he mentioned that, you know, just saying like he's not going to think about it, he's going to shoot it. Um, I think that's obviously a, a good positive thing because as much as he shouldn't be shooting, you know, eight threes a game um, – Two to three a game. Uh, I think I think that that helps. Uh, I think that's that's something that again, it's part of it's just sort of working on the game in the while in the game, um, working on his game while he's playing in a game. Uh, yeah. But again, you know, compare that to all these long twos. You know, Giannis he's up to what thirty percent now from three. I mean you know, do the basic math, right? That's 0.9 points per possession um, versus a, a long two, which even if he, I don't think, I think he's still sub 40% on long twos, you know, that, that's a lot worse shot in terms of your expected value than than a three, even if he's not making that many of them. So, um, so I think, yeah, that's just generally been positive. I think, you know, certainly the Bledsoe concerns have kind of continued. Obviously he's had this injury, um, you know, that might be the one kind of clear, I don't want to say red flag, but obviously, you know, if when you think about this team and, and what's it going to take to get this Bucks team playing at its highest level, um, you know, if we're just talking players, you know, we, we haven't talked about Jabari, obviously him coming back and being useful would be huge. But in terms of like the other guys, um, clearly, you know, getting Bledsoe back to, something resembling what he was earlier in his time this season that would obviously be a big plus but um you know right now he's he's obviously struggling and pressing a little bit
1: all right so those are some of your thoughts on what the bucks have looked like um and I, i think we'll save jabari talk for tomorrow uh we can recap T-Wolves and again maybe it'll be you, maybe it won't be you uh, but we can recap T-Wolves and then kind of get into uh, Jabari and expectations and stuff like that so we'll push that aside for now um, I guess one thing that I'm curious about is uh, with Pratik last night I-, I talked a little bit about what to expect from this team going forward and again like this isn't me asking you what seed they're going to get or anything like that even though the 3 seed does seem to be a possibility cuz the Cavs do not have their shit together. Um so I'm just curious do you I know you already mentioned like this isn't some new team, but even if this isn't some new team, like a, a brand new team, is it a slightly improved team? Is this a, a team that I know a couple weeks ago we were we were kind of thinking okay, there's as high as they can get is four. And I don't even know if they can get into the four or five spot. Like they might end up being a six, a seven or an eight. Ha- has your, has your long-term, all right. And this is even long-term, but it, it has your rest of the year outlook on this team changed at all. After these four games, like, are they, uh, um, I don't want to say measurably, but are they, uh, do you perceive them to be a better team now than they were, the, the last time we talked,
0: well, I, I think certainly taking care of business. I mean, even if you know, again, I, I think I said after the kid firing, I, I felt like my expectation was maybe slightly higher, but probably right around sort of what it was at the beginning of the season you know, 45, 46 wins maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about how, how, how many games you'd have to win in order to get 250, right? You'd have to win um let's see they've got uh, they played 49 games they have 33 left so they have to go 23 and 10 the rest of the way which is like a really steep uh winning percentage at this point so i mean again i don't think that's there but even to get to 46 wins um you know again that that's gonna take uh 19 and 14 so not not like crazy successful or anything like that but um you know they have to be solid the rest of the way so yeah. i think You know, again, you know, to get to your prediction, what, 48, 49, probably somewhere in between there. I think that's very, very possible. Um, But again, I think the main thing is sort of what we've been talking about season. It's like, well, they just have to defend at a much higher level. And, um, you know, schematically, obviously, there's concerns. Uh, I don't know if we've seen like a, you know, massive change or anything like that in what they've done. Um, I, I think we did talk about how we would expect them to become less aggressive just because, I mean, if the front office is awake and if they apparently tried to get Jason Kidd to do this early in the season, now they have much greater leverage to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would expect them to maybe be more conservative. But, um, you know, again, you're not going to, you know, bring in some... There, there's no defensive guru. You know, in 2008, Tom Thibodeau isn't walking through the door to, you know, turn this into the, the, the championship Celtics or something like that. So um, they're probably going to be, you know... Sp- maybe a better version of what they already are. Um, but as as Dean pointed out, you know, to get to middle of the pack, you know, statistically actually is is not that hard because it's just the way the, the teams are clustered right now. Um, but again, I mean, right now you're still, I think, a team that has this very slightly negative scoring differential, even with all these wins in double digits the last few games. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, th- I think they've kind of done everything you kind of could expect uh, reasonably for them to do in the first week of the era. I mean, winning every game and, you know, blowing teams out and Giannis looking good. And, um, you know, other than, you know, kind of the, the Bledsoe Brogdon injuries, uh, you know, not, no kind of big complaints. So, uh, so I mean, things kind of in, in sort of the, the micro this season view, I think sort of trending in the right direction. Um, but I think the other thing too, is, you know, you mentioned the, the playoff seating piece. I mean, you know, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, the, the Cavaliers are two games up on the Bucs uh, and the Pacers, uh, who are 6-7 in the East, um, they're in third. And they just lost Kevin Love for six to eight weeks. The Wizards are a half game up on the Bucks. The Wizards are fifth. They just lost John Wall for a couple months, I think, is, yep. is the, the expectation with the knee injury. Um, you know, the Heat are the only team in the playoff picture right now that has a worse net point differential than the Bucks? We've obviously seen them beat the Bucs a couple of times. They have a great coach, but it's like, come on, man! <laughs> like, you know, if the Bucs quit underachieving for the rest of the season. I mean, can they really not be better than the Miami heat who have a lot of solid players, but don't have anybody like Giannis. And, nope. you know, again, that that's a team that I think you have to kind of put your, put your sights on and, and try to catch. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's obviously no catching the Celtics or the Raptors who are way ahead of everybody and, you know, are are clearly in a different plane than everybody else, including the Bucs. Um, but as far as everybody else goes, um, you know, it's it it is wide open. It's been wide open. It'll stay wide open. And, you know, obviously for the Bucs. Uh, now is a good time to kind of start getting your shit together because (laughs) uh you know opportunity has been knocking all season the bucks have kind of been dithering as to whether to answer the door and uh and now obviously you know again um not that they're gonna go crazy and and you know win 75 percent of the remaining games but um you know we've seen teams in milwaukee you know i mentioned the the fear of the deer team on 22 out of 30 um which is pretty close to what I mentioned it would take to get to 50 wins. And you know, last year obviously they won on a big, big winning streak in the second half, got lucky, won some close games, and um, you know, necessarily they weren't necessarily playing crazy basketball. But uh, this year, certainly the talent level on this team is going to be much higher than where they were. You know, even last spring when Jabari got hurt and, and Chris Middleton was was back.
1: Well, I'm trying to think of other things I wanted to try to knock out tonight. Um, obviously, we're kind of in a spot where there's a million trade rumors. Um, yes, they're going to continue happening um and i got i don't know how many fake trades today and i kind of like went off on someone because i was tired of it and they were just like well like calm down man like you cover the bucks like you're gonna get these and i'm like i understand i'm gonna get them but that doesn't mean i have to like it like i'm going to continue to not like it and i i guess this is where i'm at with the boxing trades since the moment they traded Eric Bledsoe, they've been looking for a big man, and that is that is not some great sourced idea. That is literally them having two centers on the roster. So there's never been a doubt in my mind that they would like to add another big man. Along with that,
0: wait, they- are you are you you're you're, you're just you're just. Really kicking dirt in Miles, in Marshall Plumley's face right now, but continue since he is on a 2 eight deal. There's Very only sad. so many days.
1: He <laughs> he has limited days, Frank. Otherwise, I would say he's the total. He's the answer. Um, but they would want a big man, and then if there's any other candidate for a trade that is cheap, I don't think it matters what position he plays at this point. I think the Bucks are in. Like I, I just from the way that they've kind of ran since john horse has been around i think they're in on everything and i don't i think they believe they do not have enough talent on this roster and they don't necessarily care where they're adding do they want to give up a first round pick for it no do they want to give up jory parker for it no do they want to give up chris middleton for it no they don't want to make a serious trade but if they hear you have a guy on the market they're going to ask like mm-hmm. I I just think that's how it is and I see Bucks fans kind of freaking out like oh god another guy that the Bucks are connected to. Like I I understand as a Bucks fan that you immediately think back to trading Tobias Harris for a JJ Redick. Like I get that. Like we are all wired in that same way. Like we've all been through this with the Bucks before, but like I just don't know that I can freak out about them being connected to anyone. Like, I'm almost to the point where it's like, cool, that's good. Like, I'm I'm happy they're connected. Like, I'm happy they understand that they don't have enough talent on this roster as currently constructed. And, and again, that can be a dangerous game to play and you could give up too much. And I, I get all of those concerns. But there's just a, a, a level of panic, I guess, to all of it that I, maybe I'm just a little bit overconfident after getting blood so for very little. Um, and maybe I'm give I'm giving a, a little bit of ruthlessness to the this front office and that maybe is undeserved but I don't know like I just I just can't find myself panicking hearing that they're one of the teams in on Tyreek Evans like that's great Tyreek Evans is playing great basketball he can help out the bench significantly like if you can bring Tyreek Evans off the bench that's great do I think the Bucks are going to give up a first round pick for him no I don't um, but I, I don't know where, where are you at with trades. Sorry, we I kind of threw this in you or threw this at you in, in your face uh, without telling you I'm going to do this.
0: Well, you know I used to podcast with Steve on Horn, so I, <laughs> I, I, I like to think I can handle it. Um, well, let's do a quick recap. So Woj mentioned the Bucks being like one of the many teams that are I don't know if it's a half dozen, but a number of my teams that have called about Tyreek Evans, who's having a very nice year. Uh, I don't. I forget what he's making, like three or four million, on a basically dirt cheap deal in in uh, Memphis. He's an expiring deal, so obviously that is important. Um, if you if you sign him, you are not going to have bird rights on him because he's on a one year deal. So he, you know, he's a rental basically. Um, but he's having a great year off the bench. Um, kind of finally living up to the guy that we saw as a rookie year, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit. Um, so that was one that was mentioned. Um, Steve Kyler um, mentioned. The Bucks being interested in Hassan Whiteside, but not wanting to trade Jabari Parker. I, I don't know. Does does Steve Kyler break stuff? I don't know. I feel like I would be surprised if. I
1: feel like Steve s- Kyler always mentions things that could possibly yeah, happen, and, then they and never it's happen. like, or it's just like twenty things, and then one of them happens, and it's like, oh, Steve Kyler had it. Well, <laughs> if I just say that the Bucks are interested in thirty players and they trade for one of them, did I have it? because like, if so, I I can start doing that. Um, but I, I would say no. I don't know that I really trust Steve Kyler.
0: Yeah. Well. Yeah. So I I, I would agree. I'm not. Um, I'm not like. Uh, You're not a part of the Kyler crew. Uh, I'm not expecting uh, an emergency podcast for something that Steve Kyler was the first to suggest. Um, but again, you know, I mean, maybe that's one of those things. That the you know they. Uh, the I think I think they are the heat in the luxury tax right now I think I think they have luxury tax concerns um and white obviously makes a ton of money so you know would I be shocked if the bucks went to them and said we can give you some smaller not expiring contracts that would get you out of the luxury tax and again I, I haven't looked at their numbers right yet recently but um but you know hey I don't know we w- would we have anything Oh Jabari, no, we don't want to give you that. You know, I, I could I, that that is that would very much be fitting in the mo of the Bucks in recent years, not just this year, but as you said in recent years. I mean, you know, I think when Paul George was on the block, I think the Bucks, I think the Bucks have have like generally pretty much always call and just like, well, would the guy opt in or you know extend be willing to extend his contract? And then it's like no, and then they just like okay, <laughs> you know? okay, sounds good. <laughs> they just happy they we had to talk. Yeah, exactly, good talk. Um, so so Hassan Whiteside was mentioned, and then of course DeAndre Jordan is you know just perpetually mentioned um as as being a guy that's been interested um i, I think gary wolf will mentioned malik monk i think maybe he's mentioned him a couple times mm-hmm. um but he said the bucks had contacted the hornets about malik monk i mean w- whether the the hornets are interested in trading malik monk i mean uh, who knows right i mean that would be a, a pretty quick trigger to dump malik monk at this point especially given that they seem to be looking to dump contracts and rebuild so it's like you're gonna get rid of your lottery pick? Is that I don't know. Yeah, it just seems like yeah. it'd be a weird, weird move to make. I mean, yeah, if the Bucks can go get Malik Monk for free. That'd be terrific. Um, I would assume.
1: But, like, don't you think like Malik Monk has a Batum price tag? Like, like don't you think like there has yeah. like there has to what be is some the cost of admission? Yeah, yeah. like you, they yeah. have to be getting rid of something. Like that cap is a mess. Like they have to be trying to get rid of something.
0: Right, and the Bucks are particularly like not well positioned to make a trade like that. Obviously, Correct. because they have their own salary issue so you know again if if the bucks were a team that you know had cap space right now that they hadn't used or you know were were projected to have cap space and maybe they didn't think that they'd be able to use it um then maybe there are ways that you could um that you could figure out some way to to you know take back a bunch of bad salary not bad but well yeah bad salary in order to get uh, an asset and help another team get out of you know, contract hell, but that's, that's not again the bucks just because of, you know, the, the Teletovic deal and the Dell deal. And, and, you know, to a lesser extent, the Henson deal, I mean, he's, you know, a starting center who's given them good minutes. So again, John Henson at this point is, is more or less earning his paycheck. That, that was, wood. that was
1: me knocking it away. <laughs>
0: um, but, uh, but I think that's also an opportunity, right? Because I think if you do see a trade, um, you know, you've gotten to the point where you, you might be able to actually convince a team that shipping John, John Henson back is part of a salary. You know, if, especially if you're doing a trade for a center. I mean, you'd have to trade John Henson. You can't yeah. go acquire some big name center and then have John Henson as your $11 million a year slash I think he's going to be 12, 13 um, by the end of his deal. You can't have that him be your backup center. I mean, you just can't pay center. I know the Bucks love paying centers. A ton of money, <laughs> having a ton of money, you know, sunk into their center position. But, um, but you, you got to you have to move Henson in a deal like that just to kind of you know rationalize it a little bit. But um, I I'll add this too. Um, before I kick it back to you and just ask you if any of those, I don't know, any any of those make sense or would actually be interesting to you. The the interesting thing about the Bucks here, I mean, there's a reason why Marshall Plumley showing up and looking like you know a vague NBA player got. Bucks fans like actually kind of excited for a night and that's because Thon has not been good you know oh, the yeah. high-pitched is Thon maker and an NBA player question uh, <laughs> mark that you and Dean like to trot out um, unfortunately that that is a very real question and you know you look at like the weakness in this Bucks rotation right now I mean backup center is clearly an area where I think the Bucks are are losing points every night yep. um, they are you know they could be getting a lot more value but you know, it's a tough spot because you've got a guy in Thon who's young. You're hoping that by giving him these minutes, he's going to turn a corner at some point and then be a really nice piece for you. But as long as he's not turning the corner, it is really tough to watch and it's really tough to stomach um, a lot of these minutes from Thon. So um, so I'll just say, you know, again, th- that's why I think like the idea of, of having to trade for, you know, some star center, again, another reason why it's kind of like, eh, is that really necessary? Mm-hmm. Is because. Well, geez, I mean, just go find some, like, half-decent backup center, and if you're that worried, you know, if if, if, it's, if it really is about this season, the next few months, and you don't want to sacrifice the future, just, you know, go find the guy off the scrap heap. Obviously, Bogut's been mentioned. Um, you know, find somebody like that, and, you know, or take somebody, you, you know, they still have this $5 million trade exception that they could absorb a guy with, maybe help a team out that that is trying to cut salary for, um, for the end of the season, you know, maybe for luxury tax reasons. Um, you Know, I think the would help a lot, probably to have someone other than Thon getting those minutes. But the flip side is then you're kind of punting on Thon Maker to some extent. You know, you're kind of not going to figure out what he is, and you're not giving him those reps in game action. And, and you guess you would throw him down, have him play with the herd. But um, obviously, there's no real substitute for, for being minutes. So, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think to me, that's kind of why obviously we've obviously a lot of times talked about like, eh don't really need to do anything, but if you do feel the need to do anything, you can also just do something really minor where you don't give much up and, you could probably help this team a fair bit in the short run just by giving somebody other than Thon some of those minutes at center. Obviously, Giannis at center is another very <sighs> interesting possibility. Yep. Maybe we'll talk about that more in the Jabari Parker conversation because certainly um, there's some interesting opportunities there. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. What 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 do you think? I mean, do any of these names make any sense to you? Do do any of these things make you feel like the Bucks are likely to make a move, or do you think it's just you know typical noise?
1: I mean, I, I just think it's typical noise plus the fact that the Bucks kind of have a new GM who's who's very much kind of gung ho on seeing everything that's out there. Like that's just kind of I mean the vibe that I think we've sort of gotten from from this or this organization under John Horace is that they're just gonna make calls. Like they will be on stuff. And if someone's on the market, like they're probably going to be there. And I guess also to some extent if if you're an agent and you know that the bucks are doing things like that. What if I include the bucks on the name of the list that I yeah. tell you as a reporter, and what if you report it? Oh, my guy's got another team in the market like that that's a thing that can definitely happen um with all this stuff that uh, all of a sudden, just one call to check in on a guy means interest when in reality they called, asked for Jabari and Chris, and John said no. And that was it. But maybe all of a sudden that's what the interest is. So th- there's just no way of knowing. I-, I just think it's a lot of typical noise, and the Bucks are an easy team right now, just knowing their situation, that I, I think they can get thrown into a lot of things. Um, and I'm, like I said, I'm sure they're calling on a lot of stuff to kind of figure out exactly how low, low the price is. And, um, I mean, the, the, I will just think on ESPN said tonight that the Hawks are essentially open for business and – I mean, that includes Dwayne Dedman, that includes Ersan Silva. like, maybe there's something there, like, for a second rounder, or for, I don't even know, a a look at Rashad Vaughn, like, I have no no idea what open for business is, like, a future second and Rashad Vaughn, okay, like, that, that could help out the big rotation, both of those guys. Um, uh, Kyle Quinn's been a guy that, that I think a lot of Bucks fans really enjoy. I'm not sure I enjoy him quite as much, but I think those are the moves, again, that seem attractive to me. You're not giving up anything big. You're improving the team, and there's a clear need for that spot. Um, and I think you could even work a three-man center rotation, like give Thon his first normal go, and if he looks terrible... Okay, Don. You're done. That's fine. We're gonna go with this other big guy the rest of the night, and that's just gonna kind of be how it is. got, like, again, you're not you're limiting his chances of development, but at the same time, you're giving him that chance and putting a little applying a little pressure. And I don't know if that's necessarily the worst thing. So um, that would be about as far as I'd want to go there. Um, I know you gotta go. Uh, you you have a you have a child, um, and things to do. Let's do a two minute preview of the Timber, Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, the Minnesota Timberwolves this year third in offensive rating, twenty fifth in defensive rating. This is a Tom Thibodeau team. Twenty fifth in defensive rating, third in offensive rating. So this is not a team that you're expecting. Um, this is not the the Tibbs team that you would think is, you're going to get on any given night. Jimmy Butler, 21 points a game. Wiggins, 18 points a game. Towns, 19 a game. Um, I guess uh, general thoughts on the Timberwolves.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we saw them the last time on the second night of a back to back in which they very much faded in the second half of a game that they were leading by as many as 20 points in Milwaukee. Um, the Bucks end up winning that game. Uh, and I I got some uh some complaints because I talked about Andrew Wiggins being super mad this year and then he hit some early shots and people were complaining that I reverse jinxed it <laughs> um, so I I I'm sorry I guess um, but but ultimately he didn't really uh, hurt the bucks too badly but, but yeah I mean he's are a because from
1: three. yeah
0: yeah Andrew Wiggins is uh what wait did they give him 5 years 148 did he get the the full yeah. the full max full design oh my god that is not great. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're an interesting team because, I mean, I think we we you know mentioned last time this is a team that, you know, part of the reason why they're good is because they really play their main guys a lot. Um, you know, Towns and Butler all get between 35. Towns, Wiggins, Butler um, all get between 35 and 37 minutes. Taj, Gibson gets 34. T gets 33. Um, and then other than that, you know, they, they play a pretty, pretty short rotation. Now, the last time we saw them, they also didn't have Jeff Teague. I don't know if that's really a bad thing. Um, I think Tyus he's Jones bad lately. is
1: like—he's
0: yeah. been pretty bad. He had a nightmare game against the Hawks the other night in a game they lost uh, in his return to Atlanta. Um, they lost Jones, two straight
1: too, and this is a team that's pretty good this year. So they—they they are going to be out for blood against the Bucks.
0: Yeah, and they're again—they're thirty-two and twenty-two. Um, you know, they're a team that uh, you know you look at uh, again the the uh, the offensive and defensive rating is pretty counterintuitive because they're a team that you know again. Kind of feels like they just get by on talent offensively. It kind of feels like they leave a lot to be, or they they're leaving a lot of points out there. I mean, they're they're near last in three pointers made and attempted. Um, you know, Butler's an ISO guy. A lot of times, Wiggins is notoriously an ISO guy. Has not been efficient this year. And Towns is you know terrifically efficient, but has been kind of weirdly underutilized for long stretches this year. So you know, you just sort of hope that they don't. You know, that's sort of the sleeping giant of this team. I mean, they're third in offensive rating, and they don't even, like, use Towns nearly as much yep. as they should. Um, so I think that'll be be really interesting to watch, just sort of how that that evolves. I mean, he only takes 14 shots per per 36 um, versus 15 for Butler, 16 for Wiggins. Um, again, just he's so good that you, he's just crazy hope that you just hope that they don't realize that much more should be running through him. Um, and you just hope that, you know, Jamal Crawford just – ends up taking a bunch of shots and has another bad night. um, That helped last time he's not good. Um, so, so anyway, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good test because certainly this is the best team the Bucks have faced, um, since Prentice come on board, it's a road game. Um, and it's a team, as you said, that, you know, um, I, I, my view is always when teams have lost a couple straight games. Like I never view that as like a positive. <laughs> I always view that as, Oh, if they're legitimately good, they're going to want to bounce back. I uh-huh. mean, this is the fourth seed in the West. They're 20 and six at home. Um, so they've been a very good home team this year. Um, so yeah, this is a this is a good you know measure. We we haven't said measuring stick game in a yeah! while. Yeah, there it. Haven't said it, I it, haven't is. Said it since, since I was uh, uh since I've been gone here. Um, so I'll I'll trot it out in the first podcast back. That's what this <laughs> is, and um, you know, again, I think you know you hope that they come out and and play well. I don't know if you know I'm not necessarily expecting a win on Thursday night. Um, but I think the main thing is you know you also want to make sure you take. Take care of your guys. You know, Giannis in particular has not played crazy minutes. Even even going back to the last few games of the Jason Kidd era, um, Giannis has seen his minutes managed much better of late. Part of that's just because they've been playing a lot of blowouts in both directions. Um, but that's positive. And certainly with this big game on Friday at home, Jabari Parker returning uh, against the Knicks, Porzingis and company. That is absolutely a game that you want to win, that you need to win. And obviously, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm having flashbacks to a year ago when they had that ESPN game against the Knicks at home. They were leading by a lot, <sighs> That's bad. and and they blew it and they lost. And that was I was very salty after that game. So you know, again, I think you know, not that you kind of go into two games saying, "Oh, well, let's just get a split," but um, but obviously that probably wouldn't be an unreasonable outcome
1: we did it frank um we we fit this in the time that you had tonight so i'm happy that we were able to do it hopefully we can do it again tomorrow um and it's good to have you back buddy thanks and thanks
0: to uh everybody who has said nice things and uh congratulated me for doing what many people do so so uh, so anyway it's been good so far and um i i again hopefully uh hopefully father would not be will not be the end of my 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 podcasting days um and I'll probably need it as an escape here and we'll just th- <laughs> thankfully my wife is a huge nBA fan who uh does does uh you know appreciate uh my my you know my time and and ability to kind of <laughs> take a break from work and all that other stuff and, and talk about Bucks. so um so hopefully we'll we'll keep doing this moving forward
1: I was gonna say we are all happy that you chose to do this as your outlet um to get away from those things so happy to have you back (laughs) we will talk to you again after wolves bucks for frank that felt good to say i'm eric this has been locked on bucks we will talk to you tomorrow